And happy Father's Day to all the fathers, or the soon-to-be father, singular. Um, I don't have a Father's Day message per se, but I will be speaking on building upon the foundation of the Christian life, and my father is a builder, so there's my connection. <laughs> we will be uh, reading first out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, this will be our key passage, and we will reference back to it throughout the evening. And I hope you have your sword drill fingers ready. Uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I like to look at a lot of passages in Scripture because if I don't use the text to prove my point, all I'm doing is saying vain words. So we are going to be looking at uh, numerous texts to uh, try to support what I am uh, speaking on this evening to, to try to... Um, portray to you the importance of a firm foundation and a sound building that is the Christian life. So we will be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 to start with. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which, we have, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so is by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So right off the bat, we see in this passage a few things that are related to the topic that I've already told you we will be uh, speaking on this evening. And first and foremost, in order to understand why a firm foundation is important, we must know what that foundation will be. In the uh, construction world, most foundations are made out of concrete. And there isn't just one type of concrete. There are millions, literally, of different compositions of concrete, different sized stones, different sand, different mixtures. And they have different ways of testing it, different ways of mixing it and pumping it. But only one can be used for the application that is laid out in the blueprints by the engineer. And if it is not that specific mixture of concrete, the inspector will reject it and you have to go back and do it all over again. So it's very key that we understand what our foundation is. And right here in verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The, the only way that we can call ourselves Christians, meaning little Christs, is to emulate Christ. And in order for us to emulate Christ, we need to understand who Christ is, uh, 
we need to understand what he thinks about sin, about his people, about um, how we ought to treat each other. And these are the, uh, the major tenets laid out in the Gospels. If we look at Isaiah chapter 28 and uh, verse 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth not shall not make haste. So here we find this verse. Uh, this is a prophetic verse referring to the Messiah who is referred to as the cornerstone. And a cornerstone in a stone foundation is a square stone that is set first on the corner off of which all other stones must follow the pattern. You cannot start a foundation in the center of a room, otherwise you can't keep everything in line, level, square. This is especially true in tile laying. If you were to start in the center, the gaps would be different and the by the time you got into the corner, it would be a completely different pattern. So you start in a corner, and that way you can keep your line straight, your grout lines close. And so everything in the Christian life must be measured out against the cornerstone when we are laying our foundation. And we see again that this is clearly referring to Christ in Luke chapter 20 and verse 17. And he beheld them and said, what is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head corner, the head of the corner. Um, so in order for us to have a firm and level foundation, we must base our lives on Christ. But we also have an awful lot of other teachings that we find in the Bible that tell us how to live. And there are many who look at these individual passages and create doctrines off of them. And so in order to make sure that these doctrines are in accordance with the teaching of Christ, they must be also based on the teachings of Christ off of this cornerstone. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, And we'll begin reading in verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple of the Lord, in whom ye are builded together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So not only is Christ the cornerstone, but the teachings of the apostles and prophets declare forth Christ, and they have been inspired by Christ, and therefore are fit and acceptable upon which to build our foundation. And in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 14, 
we find that even the gates of heaven, the foundations of the gates, are named after the apostles. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in, in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. It is very easy to go throughout your life and hear many different doctrines according to Joseph Smith, the doctrine according to the prophet Muhammad, or uh, who's that lady that started the Seventh-day Adventists? Mary Baker. Mary Baker Eddy. All of these people have taken what the apostles have said and put their own spin on it without aligning what they've said to Christ. They have removed Christ as the cornerstone and placed themselves as the cornerstone of their cults. And so the apostles who recorded his words uh, were teaching directly from Christ because they were able to see the works that he had done in his life. Now, why is a firm foundation important? We can see in 1 Kings chapter 7, First Kings chapter 7, verse 9. All these were of costly stones, according to the measures of huge stones, sawed with saws within and without, even from the foundation under the coping, and so on the outside towards the great court. And the foundation was of costly stones, even great stones, stones of ten cubits and stones of eight cubits. We find that a firm foundation is invaluable. These were very costly stones that were laid for the foundation of what may well have been the most impressive building in the history of the world, Solomon's Temple. And so the importance of these stones keeping this temple planted and level upon the mountaintop was incredibly important and we find the size of these stones to be equally impressive, 10 cubits and 8 cubits. These stones were set very deep into the ground, were very heavy. Um, in modern construction, we have what's called a footer. It's two to three feet of concrete around the entire perimeter of your slab. And the edge of the slab is where the majority of the load is sent from the weight of the house and therefore it must be the most firm and it keeps one end from sinking into another edge of the house. If we were only to pour the same four inch slab throughout the entire house, on the edges they would all crack and the house would shift and eventually fall apart. So without taking great care to pour a solid and a level slab, any house that you build upon it, no matter how simple or how ornate, cannot withstand any of the forces of nature, not even gravity itself. And in Ezra chapter 3, And we'll begin reading from verse 6. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. 
but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters, and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the seas of Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus king of Persia. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month began Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and the remnant of the brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all that were come out of the captivity of Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. When we see a young believer who has grown up in the church and has forsaken his foundation, it's, it's heartbreaking. And yet when we see someone who, who has come up and grown up into a great man or woman of God, where's the rejoicing? So often it's, it's either pushed aside and they're not nurtured and built up in their gifts or, or the opposite happens and they become the only one who is turned to anymore in an aging church. And so there has to be a balance where the building is cared for and where the people can see the, the effort and the hand of the Lord working in a life. And in Luke chapter 6, from verses uh, 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the street beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did vehemently beat, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Also in Acts chapter 20. Don't say I didn't warn you. Reading from verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. 
For I know this, that after many departing shall, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them all which are sanctified. In times of trouble is when we find a foundation tested. It's not in bright, sunny days where there's cool breeze. It's in times of rain and in times of storm where this foundation is tested. And so without a firm foundation, uh, as the man who built his house upon the sand, uh, will, will our testimonies and our lives for Christ crumble in the face of that opposition? Or have we anchored our lives to the, to the rock which cannot move? And so understanding now what is involved in, in laying this uh, costly foundation Oh, it's a blank page. <laughs> Scared me for a minute. Uh, I want to take a look at um, building upon that foundation. And, uh, and if we look at Colossians chapter 2, begin reading from verse 1. <clears throat> for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I present in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving." Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And one more passage in Jude. If you have to ask which chapter, you're in the wrong book. Reading from verse 17, but behold, or but, <clears throat> excuse me, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you <clears throat> there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts, 
These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So when we talk about building from these two passages, what we find, <coughs> excuse me, is that we are talking about growing in a relationship with Christ, growing in our knowledge of him, our dependence on him, obedience to him, our love of him, and our love of his people. And if we have not seen growth in our own lives, it may be the case that we have stagnated and we become like the, the children of Israel who were released from Babylonian captivity and stopped building up the temple of the Lord and began building for themselves their own homes. Uh, these people were God's chosen people. They were the remnant of the uh, great purge of the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And it was their duty to return to Israel and rebuild Jerusalem. But in doing so, they neglected the fact that the reason why Jerusalem was to be rebuilt was so that the worship of the Lord could recommence in the land and that his name would be spread abroad among the land again. And they instead looked to sensual things, these carnal things, temporal things that would not last them. And they built unto themselves homes and neglected the temple of the Lord. And so if we are not seeing growth in our own lives in, in these areas, it may well be that we need to, to re-examine ourselves and, and go back to our blueprints and see where we left off. In the New Testament, we find that uh, the way in which fellow believers encourage one another, and I thought it was <coughs> coincidentally appropriate that we were singing songs out of this section in the songbook of encouragement, that uh, <coughs> the word that we find is edification, which in the Greek is used, uh, it, well, it's not used, it is the same word as to build up. To edify means to build up. We actually don't find the word encouragement in the New Testament. But the way in which we, we build up one another is to, <coughs> to bear each other's burdens, to come alongside each other and to, to actually do the building with each other. So if we take a look at Romans chapter 14... And reading verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. So we cannot build a strong local church unless we are able to to build each other up, to build upon 
another member. Uh, it is not ourselves who do the building, but it is each other who does the building upon another. Um, even though we can grow in our own relationship with Christ, if we were to try to do it by ourselves, it would be nearly impossible. To, that's why we are encouraged not to forsake the assembling of the saints. It is not because God gets more glory when there are more people in the church. It's because the people are strengthened. And the, this temple of God that we read about in 1 Corinthians that we are is perfected. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10.23, we can find the inverse effect happening in the church. I'll just read it for you. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Uh, in a church, it is very destructive to have people who are not on the same page, just like on a job site. If I've got a list of things that has to get done and I don't do them in the right order, then I'm going to complete some work, go back, and have to completely undo the work that I just did in order to get back to something. So if I were to hang drywall on a wall and then decide that I wanted plugs and switches on that wall, it would be impossible for me to do that without removing the drywall. And so when, when we have groups working in opposition, groups that are not involved in each other's lives and working towards the same goal. It has a negative impact on the body. Uh, we can see this in uh, instances of gossip. How can we trust each other if we're constantly afraid that something uh, told in confidence would be spread around? Uh, cliques were told to be one body, not multiple bodies. We all need to be on the same page, working from the same set of blueprints. The abuse of Christian liberty. Uh, now, this is an entire topic on its own, meant for a much wiser brother than I to expound to you. But uh, when we look at Christian liberty, the, the object is not to free someone to do what they want, regardless of another's actions. It's to maintain unity within the body without placing someone under the law. And in order to do that, we need to be able to be honest with ourselves and be able to say, if I were to do this, it would stumble a brother. But some people have it in their heads that if another brother is stumbled, they are the one at fault. And if we are to follow the blueprint and to build towards the same goal of glorifying Christ, then our attitude has to change. And our goals need to be realigned in order to in order to um, in order to uh, strengthen the church. We read earlier in Acts chapter 20 how uh, there would be wolves who would seek to enter the flock and tear apart the church. Um, we receive many warnings um, about an attack on the church 
coming from within, but never one coming from outside the church. We're never warned about the Greek philosophers or Emperor Nero that he would have any effect on the church, but it was always a wolf in sheep's clothing who sought to undermine the foundation and bring down the building. And so in order to safeguard against that, um, we need to ensure that our foundation runs deep and that um, <clears throat> we do not engage in these activities that uh, counteract the work that has been done. In Luke chapter uh, 14, reading from verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath uh, sufficient funds to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. And it is so easy to take a new believer and expect them to figure it out on their own. To expect them to figure out how to build their own foundation in their own house because uh, we're already at that level and we think that they should be right up there alongside us. Um, but it's a detriment to the testimony of Christ when his people um, abandon a new believer and leave the wolves to devour them. The reason so many people look at Christians with disdain as hypocrites is because these young believers don't know any better. Uh, how can you expect someone to change their own lives and build a strong testimony if they don't have uh, the tools, the material, the skills, and all they have is a set of blueprints? Uh, I know that the Holy Ghost uh, works mightily and gives understanding to those who seek him. But when Satan is so ravenous, there's virtually no hope in this day and age when someone doesn't have an answer uh, for another question and they feel that all of a sudden everything else that they've learned is untrue. <laughs> so how does this look practically for us today. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, excuse me, starting in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This progression of teachers ensures that each generation will have a firm foundation to stand on. If I were to suddenly join a contracting or start my own contracting company without having the skills that I've learned over the last five years, I would fail miserably. I mean, we make fun of 
what we call Mickey Mouse contractors constantly. And we frequently talk about how we'd like to get our hands on the knucklehead who did something the wrong way. Uh, it's, it's actually harder to fix a problem that was done incorrectly than it is to fix something that was done correctly. And so when we find a foundation that has been improperly laid, we either have to do extensive work to repair it or rip out the entire thing and replace it. So it's incredibly important that from an early age, people are taught the scriptures. Uh, I've heard stories of Awana parents whose kids go to very happy-go-lucky churches where Sunday school is more like game time and the Bible is never cracked. And we wonder why these children end up the way they do when, I mean, even the ones that we have at brigades, you can see that there was at no point a, a foundation that was, that was laid and we're, we're, we're basically having to remove all of these preconceived notions that they have about who Christ is and start from the ground up. <clears throat> and so not only are we looking to build a foundation, but we're learning to train up new builders. That's the goal. It's not to build up new bodies to sit in the pew. It goes back to bringing glory to God and strengthening his church. So if we skip down to verse uh, 7 of the same chapter. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord will not allow his foundation to be corrupted, and he will never fail those who set their anchor upon him. Uh, we'll close a little bit early. Dear Heavenly Father,